Hi, everybody. How are you? Can we do that once more? You guys good? You looking forward to the fall? It's when all the parents who are loving the summer are waiting for the fall, right? School comes. You guys can come on up and sit down. We're ready to go here. Hey, listen, last summer, if you were here last summer, um, we did a, a, an amazing series called A City Connected. By the way, if you're here last summer, you probably didn't get to see Dave much because Dave was on sabbatical. So uh, we had a chance to have several pastors come in from around Hamilton and share uh, just about what some other churches are doing. And so with that same kind of idea of a city connected, uh, we are inviting these two very, very special guests that are doing some amazing, amazing ministry. Um, So I am going to read what you guys sent me as far as how to introduce you, because it's way better than I could have ever done it. Okay, so we have Jeffrey Ying. Jeffrey, there you are of Gore Park Outreach, and he's going to help us understand a little bit of food security. So Jeffrey is a volunteer and coordinator, but Jeffrey, your card says executive director, so I want to make sure I threw that one in. For, yeah, for Gore Park Community Outreach, on average, they are now serving over 600 people weekly. And this past January of 2023, uh, uh, you guys, your, your organization was awarded the Order of Hamilton, by the mayor, and uh, for community service and the Paul Harris Award from the Rotary Club this past May 2023. So there's Jeffrey for us. That's Jeffrey's joining us. There we go. And Ted, Ted Van Engdom of HATS, that is the Hamilton Alliance of Tiny Shelters, going to help us with understanding a bit about housing security. Uh, and then Ted, Ted in his, he's, he's Both of these men are very humble, Uh, but he's part of HAT's leadership team. Ted uh, is the chair of fundraising, and then he's doing this as a volunteer addition to your regular day job. Is that right? Ted and Sue are here as well, and Sue is part of our community as well, so this is wonderful. Um, So here's what we want to do. You guys have this opportunity. This is called a double blessing today. The double blessing would be you get to use your phone two times. Uh, What... Sorry, <laughs> most people never stay off their phones, but we, anyway, you can stay on. So if you have, what we're going to do is we'd like to do, uh, we're going to offer these uh, gentlemen the opportunity to share a little bit about uh, what their uh, different organizations or ministries are about, but we want you to participate through text as far as how you might, if you have some questions. And so, so I very much believe that very often the kind of questions you would ask might be the very, very best questions. So uh, what we're going to do is if you're in person, you're going to actually get to see my phone number on the screen. If you're online on live stream, sorry, you're not going to get to see my phone number, but you can put that into the chat and we will make sure that that happens. And so just so you're aware, have those questions ready and on a slide like this, it'll have my, uh, it'll have my, um, my phone number. Okay, guys, I'm going to leave it up to you. Jeffrey, why don't you go first? I think the best way to do this is for you to introduce your ministry uh, the way you would want to do that. So go ahead. Good morning, everybody. And first of all, thank, thank you for the warm welcome. Thank I think you, you have God. to do that right to your... How's this? Is better? Is that better? It's better. Perfect, yeah. yes. Hi. Uh, I have been involved with uh, outreach since 2015. Uh, I was in the corporate world for about 30 years. Uh, it's never good when you're on a first-name basis with people at the airport. So I decided, I've decided that I, I was just going to take some time off for about a month and do some charity work. And uh, I felt like on October 28th... Looks like we have to use this microphone. Sorry. 
Sorry to interrupt you. So on October 28, 2015, at around 11, probably around 11.37 at night, while at Barton and Birch serving some homeless people, I, I felt that something came to me and whispered in my ear that this is something that I should be doing. So I never went back, so I entered a life of service that day and been doing it for the last eight years. So I've been involved with different charities, uh, and the one that I'm going to talk to you about today is Gore Park Community Outreach. Uh, we were born out of COVID. That this is when, during the lockdown, everything shut down, and there was a call out for health workers, frontline volunteers, so on and so forth. So we, we took up the call. So uh, me and five of my friends, we decided, you know what, hey, you know, we've been doing this already for the last little while. Let's do it for about, you know, it, COVID will be done in six or eight weeks, you know, just like the common flu, you know. And so, so, so we did it. And, you know, we, we, we felt that, uh, uh, you know, in six weeks' time, we, we realized that it, that's not going to happen. So we just said to ourselves, you know, we're going to do it week by week. So we decided that uh, we reach out to the mayor's office. We said, hey, listen. You know, uh, I, we know that there's a, there was a ban in place for social gatherings, so on and so forth, but we need to do something. So we, we got a bit of a thumbs up from the mayor's office, so we, we, you know, we continued. So uh, finally we said, you know what, on our 12th week we decided, you know what, this is it. That's it. We're going to hang everything up and we're just going to say, you know what, it's, we, we, we did our part. Hmm. But before we came to Gore Park, one day while I was going home from an outreach, something whispered in my ear to look left. And I was on King Street on the traffic. So I looked left and I saw there's a lot of tarps flopping in the wind. We're talking February. So it was kind of cold. So I, you know, circled back, turned around, and I was appalled by the number of homeless people living outside in the cold. And this was during the COVID lockdown. And on our very last day, when we were giving out food, I, I noticed there was a, um, a person sitting, like a senior sitting at the, at the park that day. You know, never, never realized, you know, that she needed help. Hmm. Because it was a beautiful day, you know. So we just figured, you know, she was just enjoying the day. When we were closing down for the final time, she kind of came over and tapped me on my shoulder and basically said, do you have any food left over? So I realized very quickly, you know, that I'm dealing with probably something bigger. So I said, ma'am, you know what? I, I do have, we do have bread, we have peanut butter, we have juice, and, and that's not a problem. And she said to me, by the way, um, I have no money to pay you. So I said, not to worry, you know, this is all free. This is all donated by people. And all this time, she was kind of looking at me down. She was, you can kind of tell, she was, she was not making any eye contact. She, she was a little, I say, probably embarrassed. When she finally looked up, um, she, was, uh, she was literally skin and bones. I say she was probably in her mid-70s. Um, and I was, I, was, I was very touched. Um, I get emotional talking about it because I could not sleep that night. I, I, so I phoned my friends and said, you know what, we got we, we to gotta do something. You know, I, I think there's something bigger than just serving people around Gore Park. 
So the first thing I did, I found my friends at the home church. So everybody came on board. So we kind of continued. And we, we always, in the back of our mind, we, we said, we're going to do this on a week-by-week -week basis and just go with the flow. Because it's all volunteer work. It's all donated items. We get no funding from anybody. So what you see here was our first day at Gore Park. It was the blizzard of the century. We showed up. We served 35 homeless people around Gore Park. And I said to my friends, if we can do this, we can do anything. <laughs> and two and a half years later, uh, we are now over 100 volunteers. Yesterday, we crossed 735 guests. We call them our guests because they're not clients. We don't check your ID. We don't check nothing. We just says, just line up like everybody else. You know what? We'll get to you. So unfortunately, like most of our weeks right now, we're, we're averaging 600 to 700, and we're just not equipped for that. So we end up having to turn people away, which is a real bummer for me. I, I don't like doing it, but I felt it's the right thing to do because I don't want our guests lining up for something that they may or may not get something at the end of the day. It's beautiful. So, yeah. so all I, oh, we, we kind of have a, because we've been doing this for two and a half years, we have a pretty good idea what we needed to do, how much we need to, you know, how much supplies we have to bring. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. Here, show us a few, let's go through a few slides quick and then yeah. you just tell us what they're about, yeah. This is just, a Sabbath. we're there every Saturday, just 52 weeks of the year. There you go. And <laughs> rain, shine, you can tell. Um, we serve people from all walks of life. Today, 80% uh, of the people we serve falls under the category of seniors, people with disability, family with kids, uh, new Canadians, and we're starting to see people from Mohawk and McMaster lining up for help. And the other 20% are people living in shelters and the truly unhoused people. This is what we typically see at Gore Park. You know, when I first started, I, I, I thought when you, when you live in a shelter, you know, it's kind of like a five-star hotel. You get three meals a day, you know, nice bed sheet and so on and so forth. Wow, what a shocker. 7.30, they pretty much, you know, kick you out. And they don't get, bring you back to around 8 o'clock at night. And most of the time, there's no food. So the reason why somebody says, why Saturday? Saturday because most of the places, they can get something on during the week, but not a lot on Saturday. So we focus on Saturday to bridge the gap between Saturday, Sunday, before Monday. That's good. Okay, I'm going to let Ted do, and then we're going to go through some of your slides again. Sure. Here, can you see if that works for you now, Ted? Test, test, test. Got it? Good, yeah. okay. Good. Well, good morning. Uh, thanks uh, for having us, John, and uh, Westside. Uh, so um, uh, my name's Ted. Together with my wife, we're involved uh, in HATS, which is the Hamilton Alliance for Tiny Shelters. And uh, we're just getting started, actually. We've had an amazing week here in the city <laughs> with some, some, finally, some awesome news. So we're super excited about that. And I just want to share a little bit about our journey and what we're doing and, and maybe uh, some ways that the Westside can, community can get involved. So um, for, for me, it started, um, as, as uh, Jeffrey was talking about, you know, driving into Hamilton and 
driving by uh, some tents and uh, we're at a point in our life, my wife and I, where we're empty nesters and uh, we're still involved in our day job, so to speak, but uh, asking ourselves, you know, what am I on this planet for and what can I do? How can I do something that's tangible and meaningful and gives lasting impact? And, and uh, so that's really uh, how this got started. Sue was involved in some of the shelter work downtown. Our daughter was involved in some of the COVID relief. And, and uh, we had heard about hats through a friend. There was a little article in the paper and I picked up the phone and we made a phone call and here we are two years later um, on this journey. So um, HATS is, uh, is, is basically about building a community of tiny homes for people to begin the healing process, uh, to get their, their life uh, back on the rail, so to speak. And so maybe if you uh, flash to the next slide. We've all experienced this, um, where if you look around the city, you will see tents, you know, under bridges, in parks, all over the place. And, and uh, for me, I was just, um, like, I, 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 I was captivated by how can this be happening in Canada? How can there be people that have to actually live in a tent? And, and uh, the reality of it is the problem is getting worse. And um, so there's some stats on what has happened in Hamilton alone. And in uh, 2020, in June of 2020, the city of Hamilton uh, uh, did uh, a survey where, um, and this is, so this is Hamilton data, but there was a thousand people that were living homeless, if you will, in, uh, or, or um, requiring support services in June of 2020. This past June, that number has grown by 70%. Mm -hmm. So these are people that are in need of, of care. And these are somebody's mom or dad or brother or sister or aunt or uncle. And, and just, I guess, from a Christian perspective, uh, you know, I keep being reminded by, uh, you know, Matthew 25 about, you know, you know, what are you doing for the least of these do for me? And, uh, and so that's really how this was born, um, to, to get a program off the ground to be able to provide uh, some support for, uh, for those living homeless. Next slide. Uh, so the HATS model is a temporary model. Essentially what we're doing is we're taking those that you'll see on the left that are unhoused, and we're putting a solution in place to enable them to get into um, some form of stability. So we call that going from survival mode to the stability and support mode. So we're bridging that gap. Ultimately, this is the goal to enable them then to get into something more permanent. We, you know, we were, you're probably mostly familiar with places like Indwell, etc. I mean, and that is kind of on the far right, but a lot of people today aren't able to bridge that gap. And this isn't a solution for everybody. I think this will require many solutions. We're one solution, we're a small solution, but this is really what we're about, is about bridging the gap from, from survival mode to stability and support, bringing services to people instead of people trying to locate you know, where people are and they're always on the move. And so it's very difficult to bring support to people if you're, if you're on the move. And so we believe the fundamental um, the beginning of healing is where you give somebody a home where they can get some rest. We all know what it is like to get a good night's rest. Imagine 
uh, trying to uh, to function if you're living in a tent and that tent is moving every few days. Mm -hmm. So, next slide. So, uh, lots of words here. I'll just talk uh, quickly about it. So, the the our mandate is really around creating a village environment, a community where we can bring support services to that community, give somebody the ability to start the healing process. Next slide. So, so this is our solution. So you'll see the, the small picture there. That's a tiny home. It's an eight by 12 home. It, uh, it's insulated, it's heated, it has air conditioning. It's got a door that locks. It's a key requirement. It has a couple of windows. It has a little trunk on the front where some belongings can be stored. And, um, and that en enables people to have a home that's within a community. So the picture on the right, you'll see that's a top view of 25 homes that are on a site. We had some input from people that are living with, that have lived experience, that have lived homeless. We've had some, some input from the indigenous population around the circle concept. So you'll see the circle of 25 homes kind of facing into the middle, where we have in the middle three trailers. Those are trailers. One is for nutrition, so that's supported by, uh, by giving people food, access to food. One is for, for uh, hygiene, so a shower and washrooms and one is for community, for, uh, for su support. And really, the concept here is that this is where we have both the social support and the healthcare professionals that are volunteering alongside us to be able to come to one central location and, and to care for people that are, again, on that transition from, from survival mode to starting to develop some life skills. Uh, so that is kind of the HATS model. And, uh, That's it. Good job. This is like good. No, no, you keep that. I know minutes. five minutes. I know. And we're actually behind too. So we have some questions for you guys. Yes. So this is good. This is good. We're getting some questions in. And so the first question actually is for you, for you, Ted. And so, um, oops, wrong question. Um, there are over a thousand, if there's over a thousand homeless people in Hamilton, why only 25 tiny home shelter in shelters? That just seems like a drop in the bucket. 100%, but zero is zero, right? So the, the focus here is we're not the only solution. We're not perhaps the best solution, but we are a solution, and doing nothing isn't an option. So the, the idea here is that we will do a small part, and, and of the 1,000 or 1,700 people that we're talking about, not all of them uh, you know, will be suited for this model. Okay. And we're, we're, we're trying to, to serve a... a a demographic of people that where this will work, where where the the Hamilton the professionals that we have in Hamilton that interact with these people on a daily basis today are part of the selection process to in, to ensure that we are using this program for people that have um, yeah the high potential That's of good. actually bridging that gap. It's good. Okay, Jeffrey, question for you. You ready? Um, you serve hot, your group serves hot meals and gives gross, supplies groceries each week to over 600 people, 700 yesterday. How do you get them? For lack of a better word, we were very good in... Uh, you can um, talk to them. Yeah. We're very good in dumpster diving. <laughs> so what we do, we, we approach... Wait, what did you say? Dumpster, dumpster diving in okay, a good way. Okay. So we approach uh, grocery stores, manufacturers... Uh, I was in a packaging business for many years, so I reached out to some people. And with, with a manufacturing facility, there's always production overruns. So instead of the overruns going someplace where you know, it's, it's detrimental to the environment, 
we could, we could harness that resource and help some, some people. And at the same time with the grocery store, sometimes they have uh, products that they're, you know, they discounted 50%, 60% after that, there's still no, no buyers. We will go to the store and, and take it, clean it, repack it, and basically serve it to the people that we serve every Saturday. That's good, okay. Um, Ted, your question, how do you facilitate the transition from a temporary to permanent housing? And then what are the processes and how do you ensure that they remain permanently housed? Can you say that in answer in 30 seconds? That's, uh, yeah, not sure if I can do that, but uh, um, so we, we've leveraged uh, experience from a number of other sites that this is a phenomenon that's happening across North America. And um, there's the, one of the models that uh, we have taken a lot of uh, intel from is the Better Tent City in Kitchener-Waterloo where uh, they've been doing this for three or four years now. In fact, they've just created a second site. Uh, and so we're uh, you know, using the support of, um, of the resources we have, so social workers, healthcare professionals, uh, people like partnering with people like Indwell, those organizations where they're along uh, for the journey with us. They're very highly supportive of what we're doing and we're using their professional input to okay. enable that. That's good. Jeffrey. Does the local or provincial government provide you any assistance? We, we actually get nothing from anybody. You get it's, nothing we from? Get, we get nothing. We get no grants, no support. Uh, the, the, the support that we get uh, from the city is that we have a green light to do what we do. And so this is all grassroots uh, initiative. We reach out to everybody and uh, all the community partners and everybody join in. So it's a wonderful thing and in two and a half years, uh, we have built a community within a community. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's good. Okay. Um, there seems to be a lot of questions here on volunteering. So why don't we do each one of you? Ted, you go first. And then Jeffrey. So how do people get involved volunteering? What will, There's a lot of questions here on volunteering. Yeah, and thank so, you, by the way, again, for who is suggesting how my golf game. It's the second time someone's giving me advice on golf. So there you go. Let's get back to you. Yes. Maybe that should be. No, fun. no. Yeah. <laughs> so um, in the lobby outside afterwards, we have, uh, we have uh, some cards we can hand out that give you the particulars of how you can get involved with hats. Um, but it, it is, we have 100, volunteer, 100 plus volunteers now, uh, a number of uh, donors. We have um, companies like Ikea, Home Depot, et cetera, that are along for the journey here with us. And so um, we need, in fact, we have a slide I think we'll talk to here later on, but we need volunteers from all facets of uh, the community. Uh, if you can cook, if you can build, if you can, if you're an electrician, if you're a plumber, like, if, I mean, if you're into, to, you know, uh, social work or uh, in the medical profession or pharmacy, like there's all of those different professions that we can leverage uh, your expertise to help with this. We do not have it all dialed in. We don't have every uh, T crossed and I dotted, but uh, we're leveraging the strength of many great people to get this done. It's beautiful. Jeffrey. You know, as we continue to grow, we, we have volunteers from all walks of life, from doctors, teachers, social workers, and, but we are, because we're continuing to grow, so we, we need volunteers and, if, and you know, I will leave my cards and you can reach out to goreparkcommunityoutreach.com. Oh, sorry, dot, uh, dot C, dot com, sorry. And, and just, just you know, <laughs> send, send a quick email. 
Uh, but the, the need that we really need right now is basically we need help with uh, donation pickups because I'm not, you know, it's, it's the lifeblood of what we do. Uh, you know, we need help with storage because right now we are turning away large amount of donation because we just don't have a place to store it. And we would also love to have volunteers who can help us cook because we are cooking, cooking over 600 meals every single week. We have two kitchens right now. Uh, we're bursting at the seam. I'm hoping to bridge the gap to bring it up to 700. And the last thing that we could really, really use right now, as you can imagine, we are a mobile food bank among, you know, and our facility is at uh, Ike near IKEA in Burlington. So if you have time on Saturdays, maybe just an hour or two, uh, if you can help us bring supplies to Gore Park, that would be a huge, huge help. Thank you. So Jeffrey, there's another question for you here. Are there other organizations that do similar work? Do people go to these other places and double or triple dip? Because we do this on a Saturday. Uh, there's only two other places that just recently opened. Uh, to answer that, pro probably, probably, uh, but we don't look at it. I think that is more of a small percentage. Uh, just as a matter of fact, we see a lot of seniors, people with disabilities, sometimes lining up for up to two hours just to get service. That, that tells me the need is there. Yep, yep, the is there. Yes. that's good. Um, Ted, sorry, everybody. And the phone keeps moving here. Hamilton City Council just approved a site. Where is that site and what is the timeline to build? Yeah, so the timing of this discussion was amazing because this wasn't planned, but uh, this past Friday, the uh, Hamilton Council ratified the decision to enable uh, some land to be made available, and that will be on Strawn Street between Bay and Ferguson. That was uh, what city staff had decided and recommended. We learned of that as well last week, or sorry, the week before that, that that was the location that they had chosen which is beside Laguna Station, separated by a railroad track. It's uh, called the Strawn Linear Park. And, uh, and that, uh, it's not exactly like our circular model, but it'll work, we're, we're happy to get started. Second half of your question is, we are boots on the ground immediately because we'd like to be able to facilitate having 25 homes before the snow flies this winter. Okay, to follow up, my question. There we go. Temporary, this is... I don't think that's from the question I'm about to ask, if that's for what you said. Um, um, temporary housing, correct? Two years, did you say? It, it, so the city has approved a two-year pilot. We have to leave after two years, that's, uh, that, uh, which we're fine with. These things, uh, um, we know if we look to the, um, the Kitchener-Waterloo model, there was lots of opposition to get that started. They moved three times. Um, it is now 50 homes, the city council, um, we listened to the three uh, mayors of Kitchener, Waterloo and Cambridge all get up in a community forum and talk about how they missed the boat and now they're highly supportive of a second site and the city of uh, KW is supporting a second site with the tune of $5 million. So we're prayer praying that the same can happen in Hamilton, we just need to, to, to put this in place with a professional model that's well run, that uh, relies on the services of amazing people that want to give back, and I think we can do this. And so two years is what it is, and then 
we'll find a new home. That's good. Jeffrey, you mentioned that you're seeing university students from McMaster and Mohawk. Do you think there is, do you think there should be something specifically done for students just like you're doing at Gore Park? Absolutely. Um, I reached out to a person at Mohawk. I said, you know what, um, uh, I, I think students should focus on education, not food. Uh, I, I do understand because, you know, you, you with student loan, you know, a rent and so on and so forth. But it would be nice to partner with McMaster or Mohawk and to come up with like a small uh, food uh, pantry. Hmm. Just, just um, nothing fancy, just like a pilot project. I reached out to somebody at Mohawk, I uh, haven't heard back, and hmm. we're gonna hopefully can start with Mohawk first and kind of venture into McMaster down the road. Okay, yes. I'm just looking at our time. How about I give you one more? There are so many questions here, everybody, um, that I will do my best to work with you guys that you can even respond to these. Sure. <laughs> I'm saying that publicly because now you have to do it, but anyway. Um, <laughs> I guess, I guess a huge part of the reality is I'm even listening, Jeffrey, to you is that in two and a half years, you've gone from serving 35 people weekly to over 600, now you're saying 700. Yes. That's like a 1,600% increase. Yes. Do you feel that this number is going to keep increasing or do you think we're at a point where it's leveling off? I think the number's gonna go up because if we reach 725 yesterday and school's out, come September, we're probably gonna be in the neighborhood of 800. Uh, I was asked yesterday, actually by a volunteer, where do we cap it? And my answer to that is we're not gonna cap it. We're gonna do whatever we can to help. Hmm. Uh, for me, it's, 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 uh, it's my core belief that you do whatever you can to help. And only you give up is when you said, hey, I went from A to Z. Hmm. And hmm. that's when, you know, hopefully I will not wave the white flag. Hopefully when I come to Z, there's going to be more people partnering with us that can extend that help. Hmm. Last question for you before, yes. and then I'll tell you, I have one for you. How did you get permission to go to Gore Park? We, we uh, during uh, the uh, COVID lockdown, we spoke to the late Chris Cutler. He was the assistant to uh, Mayor Fred. And when he passed away, uh, there was a succession planning and we spoke with uh, another assistant and he just carried forward to the new mayor. And the mayor came, uh, the ward uh, uh, two came and they were impressed and they decided, you know what, keep on going. Hmm. You're doing a, a community, a great service. And by the way, we're giving you the Order of Hamilton Award. <laughs> <laughs> you deserve it. it it's it's a team effort. Okay, that's team his, effort. that's, okay. Jeffrey, thank you. Ted, here's an interesting question. Are there, their units, are they available for couples and what about families? They are um, built for couples and if they have a pet. Um, so okay. we do have, uh, that is one of the, the parts of our model that's unique. We meet people kind of where they're at. So if they're in a relationship and two people can reside in <coughs> one uh, unit, we're okay with that. They can bring their pet with them as well. We're okay with that. That's part of the, um, you know, having the unconditional love component to this, I think is, is what's really key for us. Um, and so there'll be 25 homes initially. We're going to start with 10 or 12 and then um, phase one and then 12 or 13, et cetera, phase two. Um, so we will have 25, maybe 30 people. That's amazing. That's wonderful. Listen, everybody, thank you. You have 
there's so many questions here. And by the way, you have my phone number now. Um, but thank you for all these. We're going to figure out a way to answer your questions individually. There is a theme to a lot of the questions, which is what I prepared you for, the last question. And that is, can each of you tell us what your needs are and then how we as a church or how we as individuals can help? So, Ted, how about you go first? This is going to be on a slide, so, yeah. Sure. So I think um, to John's question, there's really four practical ways that I, I see. There's probably more, but, uh, you know, number one, awareness. So certainly coming into, uh, this has been in the works for a while, and, and uh, um, uh, just bringing awareness in terms of the need and your support for, for uh, people to do something was, was key. No. Amazing uh, on Friday that we got the decision that uh, we're super mm. pumped about. So, um, spreading the word, sh- sure, continue to spread the word for perhaps the need in other places within the city. Uh, secondarily, I think from a, from a faith perspective, um, just your wisdom and discernment um, uh, around uh, how we get this off the ground. The site selection process is 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 now uh, behind us, but. That, uh, I'm sure, will not come without some uh, continued uh, community discussion and involvement. Uh, But then getting the site launched and and getting our clients placed um, is something that we need some significant prayer support for for that. So looking, uh, if you can help us in that regard, that would be amazing. And then volunteer support. Um, There's there's needs for various uh, food support requirements, weekly meals, etc., um, there's, uh, there's a need for uh, clothing. Um, there's a need for finances. I am the chair of the fundraising committee, so that is uh, part of uh, my role. We've, had, uh, we've raised um, <clears throat> just under 500,000 Canadian to date uh, with some pretty significant donations from, uh, from some foundations. So uh, that represents about a third of our, of our budget needs for the next three years. Um, and then hands-on technical and logistical support uh, for site preparations. So, um, uh, you know, again, I talked about electricians or plumbers or framers or those sorts of HVAC people. Um, and, and then lastly, you know, one of the things that I'll put out to the West Side community is, you know, is there interest in, in uh, maybe funding or building uh, one of our 25 cabins? So we have engineered drawings for the cabin, so we do want... To this to have a professional look and feel, so we want them to be uh, designed to uh, and built to a standard. Um, but uh, we do have a number of of different organizations that have partnered together to say, hey, uh, how can we do this as a community? Do one or two or three. So. <clears throat> how much does it cost to build one? It, it, it all depends. So, so Home Depot has, is supporting part of the uh, part of this project, uh, and and also have have committed to building ten. Um, so, uh, around just under ten grand. Okay. Yeah. Good, Jeffrey. Yeah. I was kind of wondering if I may have the uh, this, the the picture because I want to bring everybody to Gore Park through pictures, very quickly. Can he just slide through them? Just, just okay, slide good. through yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. This is what typically a Saturday would look like. So I incorporate all seasons. The, the lines are endless, as you can imagine, and they're from all walks of life. We have a gourmet coffee shop. We have a, uh, a hot food section. We have a hot, we have a produce. We have sandwich. We have groceries. 
Uh, we have the snack section, and of course, we have bread for everybody. And as you can tell, it's, it's every week, rain, sunshine, you, know, you name it, we're there. And we have volunteers as young as four years old to as, as, as young as 99 years old helping us every single week. And this is just a sample of our volunteers. This was the big day with the mayor. <laughs> and this is, thank you very much for Westside for your, uh, uh, the, uh, the food drive back in, uh, back in June. There, there's four things that we really, really could use help with. Number one is uh, some time to help us pick up uh, a donation at stores. That's number one. Uh, number two, if you have time to help with uh, uh, a food drive, that would be greatly appreciated because our donation is actually down 25% while our numbers are going through the roof. Uh, thirdly is that, um, you know, if you know somebody that has additional storage space at their business facility that they can, you know, share, we would love that because, again, we would, I would personally hate turning away a big amount of donations just because we don't have the place to put it. And, and the lastly that, that, that I would like to ask, and this happened just yesterday, if you have some spare time on a Saturday morning, and if you live in Burlington, our storage facilities by IKEA, um, you know, we, we, could, we could really use some help to bring supplies to Gore Park. Thank you. That's great. You guys thank these guys for their time. That's wonderful. <laughs> Thank you both for being here. This just is so good to be reminded of what our city needs, uh, just to be informed or educated and, uh, and then challenged is extremely, extremely important. So guys, we're thankful for you for all that you're doing, Jeffrey and Ted, Jeffrey for all you're doing, Ted for all that you and your group are doing. We're just so, so grateful for what you're doing. So what are we going to do, people, as a church? What do we do? What do we do as individuals? What do we do when we hear of poverty and the need around us? Uh, what does God expect us of us when we are just fellow citizens of those of people that are in our city? And so we have very few minutes. You're not going to get a preach from me. Where's the clap? No, no clap. There we go. Do you know what we're going to do? We're going to read the words of Jesus. And let Jesus speak to each one of our hearts. Ted, you mentioned it already, the most appropriate passage is from Matthew chapter 25, and I am going to read this from the message. So please follow along with me. From verse 31. When he finally arrives, blazing in beauty, and all his angels with him, the Son of Man will take his place on his glorious throne. Then all the nations will be arranged before him, and he will sort the people out, much as a shepherd sorts out the sheep and the goats, putting sheep to his right and goats to his left. Then the king will say to those in his right, Enter, you who are blessed by my father. Take what's coming to you in this kingdom. It's been ready for you since the world's foundation, and here is why. I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was homeless, and you gave me a room. I was shivering, and you gave me clothes. I was sick, and you stopped to visit. I was in prison, and you came to me. And then those sheep 
are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did, you ever, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we ever see you sick or in prison and come to you? Then the king will say, I'm telling the solemn truth. Whenever you did one of these things to someone, overlooked or ignored, that was me you did it. You did it to me. Then he will turn to the goats, the ones on his left, and say, Get out, worthless goats, you good for nothing but, but the fires of hell. And why? Because I was hungry, and you gave me no meal. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was homeless, and you gave me no bed. I was shivering, and you gave me no clothes. Sick and in prison, and you never visited. Then those goats are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or homeless or shivering or sick or in prison and didn't help? And he will answer them, I am telling the solemn truth. Whenever you failed to do one of these things to someone who was being overlooked or ignored, that was me you failed to do it for. That was, you failed to do it for me. Then those goats will be herded to their eternal doom, but the sheep to their eternal reward. You know, when I hear the story of Jeffrey passing by a group of people that are under a shelter and in his heart of conviction says, I need to do something for those people, you did that for Jesus. Ted, when we hear and see that your group is doing the exact same thing for the homeless, you're doing it for Jesus. And I think it's an amazing, amazing challenge to each one of us to really, really understand and say to each one of us, what are we doing for Jesus? I'd encourage each one of us that when we see those people that are hungry and thirsty, homeless and cold, sick and in prison, that we don't just pass by. As a church, we need to know how we're going to partner but we need as individuals to do, be doing the same thing. There's your preach for the day. Let's pray. Father, thank you for showing us the kind of love that you showed us in giving us Jesus by his sacrificial death for each and every one of us, the ultimate love. And Father, as we want to show our love back to you, as Father, we, we want to say, Jesus, we love you. We just pray that the, the message that we heard today through Jeffrey, through Ted, through the, the, uh, the stories and the things that we learned today might be things that each one of us say, I want to be part of that. Jesus, I love you and we need to help others as they're in their own need. So God, show us the way to discern the things that we listen to today as individuals in the church. And again, show others how much we love them because of you. Amen.